We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Almost nearly 50% of the world's population has yet to hear a clear presentation of Jesus Christ. One billion Muslims across North Africa and the Middle East and to Central Asia and to China. One billion Hindus and Buddhists in India and Cambodia and Myanmar and Nepal and Bhutan. One billion Chinese today have yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But folks, we've got some good news, right? And God has given us a a vision, a purpose, and he's told us to go. He said, all authority in heaven and earth I have, go and make disciples of the nations. Amen? And he didn't just go uh, and, and send us, he just didn't send us, but he said, lo, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Isn't that great? Now, if I was Jesus, I wouldn't have picked me, right? I wouldn't have picked you, right? I would have picked somebody that was educated, that that came from Harvard or Princeton or or some of the the most elite people that had the finances and the the ways of getting around in the world, right? That's who I would pick. You know, I would have done a lot of things differently. You know, when when Jesus came riding on a, a, a mule into Jerusalem, I think I would have chosen a white horse, Right? But Jesus has the way, of God has the way of picking seemingly insignificant people from insignificant places to do extraordinary things. And God is looking in this crowd today, in this church today, and he says, I want to use you to do extraordinary things. God has a greater vision for you than what you're doing right now. God has a greater vision for this church from where this church is right now. But if we're going to understand God's purpose and God's vision and God's, um, what he wants to do in our life, then we've got to learn to serve the purposes of God. We've got to begin to understand what God is doing in the world today. It's not about us. It's not about our agenda. It's about what God wants to see happen. Amen? And then we've got to step out in faith and begin to walk that. You say, God couldn't use me. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know my past. You don't know my background. Folks, you don't know my background. And you don't know that I came from Sandy Cross, Georgia. (laughs) Yvonne, uh, uh, um, Mr. Wagner, y'all know where Sandy Cross, Georgia is, right? You don't understand that when I was, went to school in, in the first grade that I could not speak. I had to go to speech therapy for almost four or five years before people could understand uh, what I was saying. I stuttered so poor, uh, badly that people, the teachers could not even understand what I was saying. You don't understand that at nine years old I witnessed my father dying on a farm accident. And I grew up with my mom and at my grandmother's house just down the road. But how many of you know that God uses a little shepherd boy in the middle of nowhere, in the mundaneness of life, in the, out in the obscurity of life, God says, I choose you to be king of Israel. Right? God says, Bethlehem, though you are the least in all of Judah... Out of you shall come forth the one who shall be called peace. Amen? 
that will bring salvation to the nations. God is saying, no matter where you're at right now, I want to use you in a tremendous and a powerful way. We got to step out in boldness. Now, we also have to understand what God's placed in our hands. What God's placed in our hands. You say, I don't have anything. I, I come from nowhere, and I have nothing to give. But all of us have something to give. When Moses was out in the desert and God called Moses to go and deliver his people from Egypt, God says, what do you have in your hand? He says, I have a staff, God. I have a staff. God says, what do you have in your hand? I just have this rod, God, this, this shepherd's staff. He said, what do you have in your hand? You see, God was going to use that staff to deliver his people. He was going to use that staff to part the Red Sea. He was going to use that staff to strike the rock and bring forth water. God was going to use what's in your hands to bring salvation. It may not seem a lot, but God's going to use you to bring about the extraordinary. Amen? That wasn't a part of the message today. I just felt so just stirred in my heart when, during worship time today that God has something great for Christian Heritage Church. God has something great. I've been coming to this church, many of you don't know this, but I've been coming to this church since I was about 12 or 13 years old. Uh, I was from Franklin Springs, Georgia, and we used to do teen talent. And, and back in those days, they had these regional, uh, uh, instead of just going to nationals, you had regions before you went to nationals. And I used to come down for, with Franklin Springs Church, and we would compete at the, the Christian Heritage Church in Tallahassee. At least once a year, I would be in this church. And then when I was in Emmanuel College Singers, we'd come down here at least once a year to sing at Emmanuel College Singers. I follow this church really throughout my whole life. This is a significant church. This is an influential church. This is an important church. Not only to a denomination, but to God and to the kingdom of God. And God says, I have a purpose for you. Do not diminish what I have placed in your hand. And I have a purpose of reaching Tallahassee. And I have a, 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 a vision of reaching the world. Through you. You see, God has a plan to reach our world. God has a plan to reach those, uh, those kids and, and to sponsor those kids and to do things around the world, right? God has a purpose and a plan. God wants to use you. And He, you are His plan. Understand that. You are His plan. God has no plan B. God wants to use you. People to People Ministries is a, a tremendous organization. Uh, I have the opportunity, and just like the video says, we, together, we are People to People Ministries. And, and, and I get to tell the story. For, 20, uh, for 10 years now, uh, I've been able to go around churches and share these stories of these, uh, these, these children. Uh, one of these uh, people on the video they were left at the doorstep of a, a missionary, Howard, um, uh, Margaret, uh, Holbert and Marguerite Howard. And uh, they've grown up and now uh, they are missionaries to, to Bangladesh, a Muslim nation, ha and have planted more than 40 churches in a Muslim nation. Isn't that great? Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, 
and so it's just a wonderful thing to be able to go and tell the story. Some people say, well, you're Mr. People to People, you're over People to People. No, I'm not Mr. People to People. These people that you saw on the video screen are People to People. You are People to People because you sponsor these kids and doing incredible things. Now, People to People is, uh, is number one, it's a child sponsorship program, and for $25 a month, you can sponsor one of these kids. And uh, these kids really change the life of this child. It gives hope, it gives education, it gives food and water and things like that to these children on a daily basis. And uh, one of these examples, and we're going to show a video here in just a second, but one of these examples is in Kenya. And earlier this year, I was able to go to Nakuru, Kenya, and they take kids that are destitute. It's called the Destitute Children's Home. And they take kids that have been orphaned by parents who have died from AIDS or who can't afford to have these children. And these kids live on the streets. And they take these kids. They've got about, a, I guess, about 70 or 80 kids now uh, that live on the compound, that go to school. They have a school there on the compound. And People to People sponsors this, this school. So let's watch this video from Jessica Dunning. Uh, as she Hi, says, I'm Jessica Dunning. My husband Jamie and I are the People to People directors for Kenya. And today we are actually on location at one of our People to People projects here in Nakuru, Kenya, uh, Nakuru CMD and Pistis Academy. And we just spent some time with some of our kids here. And I just wanted to let you know how important your sponsorship is for these children. Uh, it makes such a tremendous difference in their lives, not only your monetary support, but the correspondence that you send to them. You'll never know what a small card or picture of you does for them here to know that there's someone so far away that loves them, that cares for them, and that wants the best for them. I wanted to take a minute to introduce you to some of our People to People sponsored kids here at Nakuru. We have Margaret, and we have Patience. And we have Delmas here with us and several other children that are sponsored through the program. Can you guys say Asante Sana to the people in America? You say Asante? Asante. Asante, which means thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. These are some of the kids that are being directly impacted by your support and by the People to People program. You can't imagine what a difference it makes here at a place like this, providing food for the kids, uh, money for education and school fees. It's such a difference maker, and we just wanted to thank you for that support. Thank you for pouring into their lives. Even though you may not have been here, you're making an incredible difference in their lives, and we thank you for that. Amen. Jamie and Jessica Dunning are doing a great job uh, throughout Kenya, but this is one of, the, one of the orphanages that we sponsor there in the nation of Kenya. Uh, right now, we're working on a water filtration system. Their water, we have a, we've dug a well there, but it's got so much uh, sulfur uh, in the water is undrinkable. And so we're working on a water filtration system that will not only affect them, but also they'll be able to sell that water uh, to the local community who is also affected by this, uh, this water that's in the ground. And so uh, we've raised uh, uh, about $8,500, and, uh, and it's going to cost us about $10,000. So uh, it, it, that's one of the projects that we're working on right now. So not only do we have child sponsorship, we also do feeding programs around the world. We go into places where uh, the church, there, there, there may not be churches, and so we start feeding people on the streets. And through feeding people on the streets and showing Christ's love to these people, churches are then be, uh, able to be planted. Today, uh, in Cambodia, in Phnom Penh, right in the center, of, uh, they're having a celebration service of opening our uh, ministry center there. We just spent $200,000 
uh, to open up a ministry center right in the middle of Cambodia with Sammy Laminella. He was a, 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 a person from Cambodia. Went there. Uh, he was from the Philippines. He, he left the Philippines as a missionary, went to Cambodia, and started this ministry. Today he's planted about ten churches in the nation of Cambodia. And today uh, we open up uh, our, our ministry center right in the, in the heart of Phnom Penh. Isn't that a great? Isn't that exciting? And so... Uh, uh, they invited me to be there, but I had already scheduled to do the Sunshine Conferences uh, this week, and so I was unable to be there. Uh, we also do uh, disaster relief. So when earthquakes hit uh, Haiti or tsunamis hit uh, Indonesia, we're the ones that go in very beginning, uh, do the assessment, begin to give water and food and medicine to people around the world. And then we also uh, help to rebuild the infrastructure uh, of our facilities around the world also. And so uh, it... it when disasters happen like it's happened in Ecuador just recently, it's very essential that we're there uh, helping our churches um, from day one. And so thank you for your giving to disaster relief. And then a very exciting thing that we're doing now is micro-businesses. We're not trying to create uh, a dependency. We're not trying to create a welfare system for these kids around the world. What we're trying to do is lift people out of poverty. How many of you know that the gospel is redemptive and it has a redemptive lift, see? So God wants to take you from where you're at and lift you out of sin, lift you out of darkness, lift you out of poverty to a place of sustainability. And so that's what People to People also tries to do, tries to do uh, with our programs. And so one of the exciting things that we're doing is micro-businesses. We're going into places and starting uh, tilapia farms and fish farms and greenhouses, uh, uh, ice cream uh, businesses and different things around the world to give a job to our orphanages or uh, our pastors or our national leaders on the field. And so now I'd like to show you just a, a, a short video of micro-businesses uh, in the nation of Kenya. Combining traditional missions ministry with agriculture is vital in a place like Kenya. I could talk about the Bible and conversation might last for five minutes. But when I start talking about agriculture, I captivate the people's attention and I speak to a need that is really being felt by the people in our community. Agriculture combined with missions can help satisfy not only an appetite for a better life, but also eternal salvation. This is an example of an income generating project. Uh, that helps to generate income and empower uh, the individuals that uh, live and work here. Uh, this is an example with the poultry projects. We have 200 broilers that will be sold and the money generated uh, will bless the ministry here. We also have fish projects. We have greenhouse projects at other uh, ministries. All of these are a way to give the people that are doing these ministries the tools that they need to better equip and empower them to meet the needs of their community. When you give to a farm project like this, a, a micro-business, a greenhouse project through People to People Ministries, you are enabling the um, betterment of a whole community through education, through provision of food, and through a, the preaching of the gospel, through practical things like growing a plant or sharing a meal. We thank you for your giving of not only resources to provide the farm, but of the gospel to people who need to hear and that's what it's all about, right? It's not just about doing social work. It's not just about building a greenhouse or a tilapia farm. It's about sharing Jesus Christ, the gospel, the kingdom of God, 
to the people of Kenya or the people of Bangladesh or the people of Myanmar or Indonesia or wherever we go. And so uh, thank you for your support of People to People Ministries. If you would like to uh, come by my uh, table at the, end, uh, at the end of the service, we can talk about child sponsorship or a project that we may be doing. But also, uh, please sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we have a newsletter that goes out when a disaster hits or if we have a certain need. And uh, we'll keep you informed of what's happening around the world in People to People Ministries. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's begin today. Uh, I want to uh, read out of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Before we do that, can we pray? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in Tallahassee, Florida. I thank you for what you're doing in Christian Heritage Church. I thank you for what you're doing in people-to-people ministries around the world and the lives of these children. Thank you, Father, for blessing us, for giving to us, for being here this morning with your tangible presence. Lord, bless us this morning. Bless us in your name, we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about faith. Uh, about a month and a half ago, uh, I had a, a, a sister-in-law. Her father was actually working for uh, one of our churches, and he fell off a ladder and, uh, and had to have surgery and ultimately passed away from that surgery. But that week at the hospital... Sitting there, God began to stir in my heart a message uh, about faith. And uh, I didn't really know exactly where God was leading me with this, except that one day, I'll tell you what happened. When the doctor came out and told Inez, the, the wife, that uh, Fernando was not going to make it, um, the family did not come apart. It did not uh, go into this terrible grieving uh, like I would have expected or what other people expected. But God did something phenomenal. She got down on her knees. Now, she's from Colombia. And they had been missionaries uh, in Ecuador and in the, in the Amazon. They had been uh, church planters in, in Argentina and so these were strong Christians, right? These were um, a, a man and woman of God. There's a family of God. And now she's just found out that her husband is not going to make it. And so she knelt down on the ground in the waiting room. And there was about 20 people there. There was people from the Hispanic churches in Oklahoma City. There was people from the Gate Church in Oklahoma City, uh, family members. And she knelt down in the middle of that waiting room and began to praise God. She said, praise God. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a wonderful husband. Thank you, Lord, for giving us uh, so many years of marriage. Thank you, Lord, for what you helped us to do in, in Ecuador and Peru and, and Argentina. Thank you, Lord, for everything. And it went on and on and on. It went... It went on for like 20 minutes just praising God. 
Isn't that awesome? And when she got up, in 20 minutes, she got up, she stood up, she took a deep breath, and then she came straight over to me, and she said, God has a word for you. And she began to prophesy into my life about my ministry and what God was doing in my ministry. And she said, who's got a telephone? I need to call Cole Phillips. Cole Phillips was a minister from Oklahoma City, had gone down to Florida. And she took that telephone and she said, God has a word for you. And she began to prophesy to Cole Phillips. And then she began to go around the room and prophesy over other people's lives. Then she went out in the, uh, uh, the other waiting room and began to talk to other family members and led two people to the Lord. They actually called their parents down in Chickasha and they drove up and they led them to the Lord. Why? And people were sitting there going, what in the world is going on? What in the world? Somebody asked my son, said, I don't understand. And my son, who is 18 years old at Oklahoma State University in aerospace engineering, he said, we don't have faith in God doing what we want him to do, but we have faith. And who God is. That's right. That's right. We have faith in who God is. And so this message began to stir in my heart about what true, what is faith? What I think it's been manipulated for our own purposes sometimes, the definition. But if you will, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 through 25, first says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ came and saved us? That Jesus Christ made a sacrifice so pure, it washes, it doesn't just cover up our sins, it washes our sins away. Let us hold fast then to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider now to stir one another to love and to good works. Not neglecting to meet together as of the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now drop down to 32 through 39. But remember or recall the former days when after you were enlightened, right, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) 
since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward. For you have need of endurance. So when you have done the will of God, that you may receive what is promised. For yet, in a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. You see, God has a plan for our life. God has made promises to us. But how many of you know that God is faithful? What kind of promises has God made to you? God's made a lot of promises to me. God promised me that we would have children. God promised me that uh, the nations was my inheritance, that God has promised me salvation. God promised me many things. How many of you know that God, how many have, God has made promises to you? God has made promises to this church. God has made promises to your ministry here. But the world wants us to be intimidated and to fear. The world wants us to be fearful of our past. How many of you know when, when we think of our, our promises and God wants to do things in our life, just like I said earlier, somehow Satan says, but don't you remember? Don't you remember where you came from? Don't you remember what you were into? Don't you remember... The struggles and the limitations. Don't you remember you're from Sandy Cross? Don't you remember that that is a racist area of Georgia? Right? Don't you remember that you were addicted to drugs? Don't you remember that you lived on the streets as a prostitute? Don't you remember the sin that you were in? In the Old Testament, there's a prayer called, we call it the prayer of Jabez. How many of you remember that, the prayer of Jabez? And Jabez actually means uh, one who is born in pain, right? One who has been born in pain. How many of you like the word Jabez as your, as, as your name? No. Because it would remind you, every time you would say your name, it would remind you that you brought pain in childbirthing to your, your mother. But Jabez cried out to God and said, God bless me, enlarge my territory, and help me not to cause pain. And God gave him what he asked for. You see, sometimes life and the world tries to define who you are. It tries, it tries to say, you're an, an addict. You have shortcomings in your life. You're from Sandy Cross, Georgia, or you're from western Oklahoma. But God is saying, I have a purpose for you. I love the, the verse in the New Testament where it's talking about John the Baptist on the, uh, on, uh, baptizing people on the side of the river. And, and uh, Jesus says, there's never been one born of a woman that's greater than John the Baptist. Remember that scripture? 
And, and you say, well, how can that be? Because there's some great people in the Old Testament. There's Abraham and there's Isaac and, and uh, there's Moses who delivered his people out of Egypt. And Elijah called down fire upon the prophets of Baal. Remember all those good people and all those powerful people? But Jesus is saying there's never been one born of a woman that's greater than John the Baptist. Because in the Old Testament, everything was looking forward to a kingdom that was to come, a sacrifice to be made. But now, on the side of the Jordan River, here stood John the Baptist saying, that kingdom has now come. Right? He was greater, not because of what he did, but because of the time he lived and the message he proclaimed. And then Jesus Christ makes an extraordinary statement, and that it's each and every one of you could grab a hold of this statement, it would radically transform your life, it would radically transform the life of this church, and it would actually radically transform the, the life of the church of America and around the world. If only you would grab a hold of this. And he says, but I tell you the truth, the least in the kingdom of heaven is even greater than he. Isn't that amazing? We're no longer looking forward to a kingdom to come. We're no longer looking forward to a sacrifice to be made. But we're not even standing on the Jordan River saying that kingdom has now come. Folks, today the kingdom of God lives inside of me. The fullness of God without limitation, not in part, not in partial, but the fullness of God in all of His power and all of His glory, that God lives inside of me. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same power, without limitation, lives inside of me. And that's why the disciples could go about the, the known world at that time and turn that world upside down. That's why the shadow could, could, could heal people and a handkerchief that was prayed for could be could bring healing to people because they believed that God was alive. They believed that God wanted to do something great in their life and the power that He promised at Pentecost, that same power lived inside of them. They believed that. My question is, do we believe that? Are we limited by our past? Have we been intimidated by the world about our past? Have we been intimidated by the world by our present? God, you just don't know where I'm at right now. I know you have done some great things in my life in the past, but God, you don't know where I'm at right now. The world wants us to fear the present. It wants us to fear the future. I heard on the radio uh, yesterday on my way from Jacksonville over here, there was a guy talking about Islam uh, and he was saying, um, and, and he, he was a Christian, right? He's a Christian. But he's saying, that there's only a matter of time before we start seeing mushroom clouds above American cities. There's only a matter of time before, before America is completely annihilated by Islam. Let me tell you something, folks. I am not afraid of Islam. Jesus Christ is my Savior. We don't have to fear the future for our children. We don't have to fear ISIS. We don't have to fear those things. Jesus Christ has promised me a future. Amen. We went to Turkey a couple of weeks ago. I took uh, 70 people to the nation of Turkey, a, a, a nation I've been to many, many times. 
And uh, I had a couple people on that trip. Now, these are leaders internationally, and they wouldn't leave the hotel. And I had to go to them and say, what are you afraid of? If God has called you here, God will protect you here. We have no fear of our past. We don't have to fear our future. We don't have to fear ISIS. I'm more worried about the complacency and the lukewarmness in the American church than I am about ISIS. ISIS will never destroy the, the, the church of Jesus Christ. Complacency and lukewarmness will. I'm not fearful of the future. For he who is, who is promised is faithful. Every single time God has promised me something, God has always remained faithful to me. God promised my wife and I children. And we went to London, England. And... Um, in 1993, we'd been married two years, and we said, well, this would be a good time to start a family. And no children came. Two years passed, three years passed. Now we've been married for almost six years, and no children. We'd gone to specialists. We'd gone to more specialists. We'd gone to more specialists. We had taken medicine and medicine and medicine to the point where they said, we don't really want to give you any more medicine because it could cause cancer. But we just prayed one day. We were at Northwood Temple in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and John Hedgepath and Chuck Pierce laid hands on Janice and I and said, God has promised you children. Ten months later, we had a son. Amen? We've been in mission since 1993, but in 1999, uh, God began to speak into my heart about going to Turkey, to, to a Muslim nation, to go there and to plant churches. It's the largest Muslim nation in the world, 70 million people, and at that time, only 500 evangelical Christians. Can you imagine that? 70 million people and less than 500 evangelical Christians. I had missionaries, not not to the Wagners, but I had senior missionaries to come to me and say, you don't want to do that. You don't want to take your family to Turkey. You don't want to go to the Muslim world. You don't want to waste your time reaching those people. You need to go to Latin America. You need to go to certain parts of Africa where there's a great revival. There, God can use you and use a young family. Why go to Turkey? And I looked at that minister, that missionary, and said, I believe that God wants to be made known to all people at all times in every generation. And whether I have to give my life to a barren ground, I will plant seeds in a barren ground because I know he who has promised is faithful. And folks, it was hard, right? It was hard. Uh, I remember one time going out to a, a small town out in western, Oklahoma, uh, western uh, eastern Turkey, called Tunjali. No Christians in this city. I got an invitation to come to the school there because uh, some people in London had become Christians. 
Uh, we, we were still living in London, but we were ministering to Turks, and a couple of people had become Christians there. We had baptized them. They had told their family back in Tunjali. Now they've invited me as a minister to come and see their school. What in the world? So I travel to Istanbul. I go 20 hours out there. Uh, I get off the bus, and the first thing I hear is the mayor of the city wants to see you. The mayor of the city wants to see me. Monday morning at 9 o'clock, I'm in the mayor's office, and he says, why are you in my city? How many of you know I wanted to lie? <laughs> right? I wanted to lie. He got a big Turkish flag right behind him, and Ataturk's picture right there. He's behind this big desk and everything, and, and an older man, probably uh, early 70s. And I just said, I'm a pastor of a church in London, and some of your people from this city have become Christians. And they wanted me, they invited me to come and see your school, to see your children, and to help if I could. And this man started crying. Seventy plus years old, and he's crying. And he says, the world has forgotten about my city. You're the first American to come to this city in 20 years. You coming means more than millions of dollars that you could have brought. The gate of this city is open to you. You see, the world wants us to fear. The world wants us to be intimidated. But folks, there are people out there with open hearts, with open uh, doors, with open gates to cities waiting for you to go. And I'm not just talking about Turkey. I'm talking about right here in your community. That week, 10 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. The mayor of the city invited me back to the city two months later for a music festival, and I went back. That time, he met me at the city. There was a military circle of the city because I don't know if you've heard about what's going on in Turkey right now with PKK and all the other ISIS fighters and stuff like that. Tunjali is like the center of PKK, which is a separatist movement. And it's called the city of the assassins. And so I was really pretty intimidated about going out there to start with. But the second time I come, the mayor comes to the city gates, literally gates that military protect, and invited me in on his bus. Five people were baptized in water on that trip. God, when he promises something, he's faithful. Today we have a church in Ankara, Turkey. We have a church in Laodicea. We have a Turkish church in Antakya where Paul and Barnabas was first sent from. We have a Turkish church in Mongolia, Romania. And we have Christians in London and Izmir and Istanbul. God is faithful. He promised me that His Spirit and His power would be with me always. Lo, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. In 1997, when I first went to Turkey, I met a man named Umit, shopkeeper. And he said, what are you doing in my country? And I said, well, I'm here to learn about Turkish culture. I'm here to learn about Islam. And he says, why are you here in a tourist area of town? Why don't you come to my house? Now, that was pretty scary, right? So he picked me up at the hotel, and we drove, and we drove, and we drove. And I'm thinking, this 1997, this was pre-9-11, so I, I didn't worry as much. But at the same time, I was thinking, I've been taken as hostage, you know. 
I get to his house, and it's a beautiful house with a, uh, a swimming pool in the basement and his own private mosque in his basement. A very wealthy man. You wouldn't have known it from the appearance when I first met him, but he turned out to be a very wealthy man. We kept up a relationship. He actually named his, children, his son after me, named his son Matthew. 2012, I go back to his, his place, and he has developed multiple cirrhosis. Could hardly walk. He was stumbling around. He said, Matt, I need to talk to you. We go out to eat. I had a team with me. I sent them back to the hotel. He said, Matt, I have a death sentence over my life. I have a very, very aggressive form of MS, something like Lou Gehrig's disease or something like that. He wasn't sure exactly what, the doctors wasn't even sure exactly what it was, but it was, it was very, very aggressive. And where he was he had only been two months to where he was at that point. And I said, Umit, I believe in a God that heals. I don't believe in a God that's just way up there, transcendent, that's not even in touch with us. I believe in a God that can heal and touch and, and do miracles in your life. And I began to tell him about my wife couldn't have children and now we have two children. I began to tell them about my, my son having a heart condition and the, the ultrasound said it needed open heart surgery. And, and then we went back 10 days later and it's completely gone. Right? I started telling him about how he healed other people in my family's life and my church's life. And I said, can I pray for you? And I stretched my hands across and I touched him and I began to pray for him. And he began to weep and he says, joy, I feel joy and I feel hope like I've never felt joy or hope ever in my life. Right? He said, at the same time, I have a fear of God like I've never felt. I said, a fear of God. He said, it's like God is right here next to me. I said, yeah, that's the God I serve, right? That was in April of 2012. Three months later, I'm in Orlando, Florida, going through my own struggles and my own pain and my own disappointment myself, feeling sorry for myself. How many of you feel sorry for yourself sometimes, <laughs> right? God, how could you do that to me? How could you allow that to happen? Don't you know what's going on in the world? Right? I was, I mean, really, I was in a conversation with another person, Courtney Amos, and I was having that conversation. I can't believe that God is allowing that to happen. Right? And the telephone rings. It's from Turkey. Hello? He said, Matt, I just went to a specialist in Germany, and they said, I don't have MS. I don't have MS. I've been healed. He said, I want you to tell your church. I want you to tell your family. I want to tell everybody that you know that God has performed a miracle in my life. Now, he said, now, the specialist says it's a, it's a growth that can be removed. And it's going to be removed. And so he called me back about a month later. Been removed. And now he can walk. He has a perfect life. I was with him two weeks ago, and the people that I was with, I was with a group of leaders, that he kept saying, I'm going to tell y'all something a little bit later. I'm going to tell you. I don't want to tell it in front of him, but I'm going to tell y'all how God touched me. Right? This is a Muslim man. Listen, if God can touch a Muslim man because I prayed, 
how much more do you believe that God can use you to pray for your family members? That God can pray for your teachers. And when you pray for your, your neighbors, when you pray for your children, right? When the pastors and elders come up here and pray for you, expect God to do great things. You see, God, if He has promised, God is faithful. God is faithful. It says in that passage also that we are to stir one another up to love and to good works. That's what I'm here today to do. That's my assignment for you today. I want to encourage you. I want to stir something up inside of you. I want you not to hate the world, not to fear the world. Listen, we get so much. You turn on CNN News, you turn on Fox News, you turn on whatever news you want to, and it says, fear the immigrants, right? It says, fear the Muslims, right? It says, fear anybody that's different from you. But God says, I want you to love. I want you to do good works. I think it's amazing in the New Testament where the Samaritan is going down the road and everybody else has bypassed that Jewish man on the side of the road that's beat up. Jesus tells a parable and he says the Samaritan went to him. He saw him. He had compassion on him. He went to him and he bandaged up his wounds. I've always wondered, I said, God... Why couldn't it have been the Jewish man? Because he was God's chosen people, right? Why didn't the God's chosen people go and reach the, the, the Samaritan? Right? Why, why, why is that parable reversed there? And God did that because he said, if a Samaritan will go and help God's chosen people, how much more should God's chosen people go to the Samaritan? Amen. Right? How much more shall we go to the immigrants? How much more should we go to the Muslims? How much more shall we go to the Hindus and the Buddhists and, and all those people that are atheists and living outside the will of God? And then it says, recall the former days. I love that part. Remember the struggle. Remember the suffering. Remember your past. Remember how you were publicly rebuked and, and, and uh, persecuted? Remember how your, you went to prison and the people that you were with went to prison? Remember those days? You think, well, why would I want to remember those things? Those are when God wasn't with me. No, God was with you even during the suffering, even in prison. Remember when they took your possessions and they plundered it? And you were joyful about it. How many of you would be joyful if the world took everything away from you because of the sake of Christ, right? I wouldn't be joyful. But God says you were joyful. Why? Because you knew those things were temporary also. And that you had a much better possession in heaven with Him. <laughs> How great. And it says... The plundering of your possession. And it says, remember the former days, but you need endurance. Then he says, the just shall live by faith. And that, is a, that goes back. It's, it's alluding to a passage in Habakkuk. And I want to read that to you. And this is where I'll, I'll end. 
Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk is upset with God. And he's questioning God. And he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Or cry to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? How many of you kind of asking those same questions right now? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contentions arise. So the law is paralyzed and the justice, justice never goes forth. I think I've said that over the last few weeks. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth pervertedly. That's the world we live in today. That's where the Christians are asking today. But if you, if you look at the end of the book of Habakkuk, it's only just a very short book, three chapters. It says, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, or the produce of the olives fail, and the field yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, there will be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord always. I will take joy in God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength, and He makes my feet like deer's. He, he makes me tread on high places. So, within a, just a few chapters, Habakkuk is questioning God and saying, God, where are you? To whatever happens, Lord, whatever happens, I will rejoice in you always. What happens? Chapter 2 happens. 2, 2, and 4 says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on the tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. Sometimes we want to get ahead of God, right? We're still waiting on the vision. Still waiting on the appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, this soul is puffed up. It is not upright with him, but the righteous shall live by faith. Folks, I want to tell you, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what hardships you're going through. I don't know your past. I don't know your present. I don't even know what your future will hold. But what I do know is God is your salvation. And what God has promised you, God is faithful to do. God has a vision for your life, and God has a vision for this church. And the appointed time might not be here, and we may still have to wait for it just a little while longer. But while we're waiting, folks, God says, Habakkuk says, I will rejoice in the Lord always. Lord, I will dance on the mountaintops and sing joy to you, for you are my strength. If God can give me children when the world says, you're not going to have children. If God says, I'm going to plant churches in Turkey and the most unreached nation in the world. If I'm going to take street kids off of India who have no future and make them doctors and lawyers and missionaries to Muslim nations. If God can use a person from Sandy Cross, Georgia, 
God can use you. And God has a plan for you. Let's stand. Lord, we just, we just lift up our hands to you today and say, Father, we hold fast without wavering. We hold fast the confidence of our salvation. For our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in material things. Our hope is not in our possessions. Our hope is not in numbers. Our hope is not in our own ability. Our hope is not in others. But our hope is in you. For you are our Lord and our salvation. Father, bless this church. And as we wait for the appointed time, we will rejoice in you. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Matt. Be seated for just a moment, please. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church... We invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 1030, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website chctoday.com